simplicity, and yet it's coupled with the depth of meaning, you know. And, uh, man, I have really enjoyed studying behind the scenes, and we're going to go through it this summer. And uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, uh, we're gonna, but we're going to jump one chapter. So last week we looked at John 3. Uh, I'm going to jump through John 4, and we're going to look at John chapter 5 this morning. So if you have a Bible, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 5, verse 16. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in a chair in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, take that one with you, okay? That's our gift to you. We'd love for you to have a copy of the Word of God. Inside of your bulletin is a, is a handout, uh, and you can follow along with me. I'm skipping John 4 because I actually preached on it last fall, and, uh, and so I preached a sermon called Acceptable Worship out of John chapter 4, and so that's available to you on Facebook, on our website, uh, and I think we may even have a hard copy at the Connect Center that you can pick up on your way out. Uh, last February, uh, we had a membership class, and uh, one of the things that we do at the end of our membership class, if there's time, is we always try to take questions. We always want any potential new members to uh, have any information they may want to have about Coastal Church so that we can answer them honestly. And, and this particular membership class uh, actually uh, fell on Super Bowl Sunday. So now those of you who have been a part of my ministry for a long time, you know that I have a favorite team that happened to be playing in the Super Bowl. And I, yes, and I was kind enough not to brag about it until today, okay? And so <laughs> kept it kind of under wraps until today. And so I was at this membership class, and we take questions, and the final question of the membership class was the best question that I had ever gotten in a membership class. This person raised their hand, and they said, Pastor Sean, what is your prediction for tonight's game? Okay, so now... I had been thinking about this for two weeks. There's a two-week break between the play, last playoff game and the Super Bowl, and I had been watching, and, you know, I, like, I was almost like a coach. I'd been watching game film of all the playoff games, you know, and I'd kind of broken things down, and, and it was time for me to make a prediction, and what was in my heart, I actually had not told anyone up to this moment, and so there was, it was a small class, and so there wasn't a lot of people there, but you can ask the ones there of my prediction. My prediction was this. I said, you know, and if you remember, it was the, my beloved Seattle Seahawks versus the Denver Broncos, Peyton Manning. There was no one. Most people were not even predicting the Seahawks to win. Uh, there was a few, but mostly were predicting that Peyton Manning was going to get a Super Bowl title. And I said to this membership class, I said, I'm going to tell you honestly what I think. I think that the Seattle Seahawks are going to blow the Denver Broncos out. And everyone got real quiet. I said, look, I'm not just a homer. I said, I'm telling you, this team is really good. Man, I love it when I'm right, man. It was, I mean, it was the kind of Super Bowl by the first quarter. You're just kind of sitting back going, this is great. You know, this a lot of fun. I know most people weren't enjoying it. I enjoyed every minute of it, okay? And so, and so you know, part of my ex uh, uh, why I was so excited about it is actually uh, the Seattle Seahawks courted Denver, uh, courted Peyton Manning, and he chose Denver over Seattle and a couple other teams. So I heard a lot of people say, oh, I feel sorry for Peyton Manning. I'm like, he chose the wrong team is what he did. I'm still bitter. I hold some bitterness inside. But, you know, that was my prediction. It came true, and I kind of staked the claim on the game, okay? This morning, we're going to look at Christ, and Jesus, in his public ministry, begins to make some outrageous claims. I mean, they're the kind of claims that... They, you, you really can't make unless they're true. They're the kind of claims that if you've been following, if you've been a Christian for a long time, I think maybe you kind of accept some of these things without maybe processing the depth of what Jesus is teaching very early on in his ministry. He stakes a claim to deity. 
He says, listen, I want to be clear who I am and why I'm here and what my purposes are. And it, it rattles the religious institutions of the day. So check this out. John chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus, it says, so the Jewish leaders uh, began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. Now, I got to give you a little bit of context, okay, because we didn't read all the previous story. In the previous story, <clears throat> there's this pool by a pl- in a town called Bethesda, and, and this pool, uh, occasionally the stories are that the water gets stirred, and if, you are, if, you're, if you're ill or you're physic- your body's physically broken, if you're the first one in the pool when the waters get stirred, you get healed. So Jesus is walking through this pool. The, uh, the Bible's very clear. There's all these people that are paralyzed and blind. They have all these physical limitations, and, and he walks up to this one guy, and he says, do you want to be healed? And the text tells us that this man was, he was in this broken state for some 38 years laying on a mat, right? And he says, he says I want to be healed, yeah, but I can't ever get to the pool in time. I never know when the water's going to be started. I can't get in there in time to get healing. And then Jesus says to him, I want you to check this out. Jesus says, take up your mat and go home. Now, I want you to imagine you've been laying on a mat for 38 years, your legs don't work, and suddenly this guy says this, and all of a sudden, you're like, you feel strength, and you're like, I, I feel, you know, you're probably not at that moment going to look at the guy who just told you to take up your mat and go home and say, now, isn't it the Sabbath? Like, I don't think I'm supposed to carry my mat on Saturday, right? You know, and, and so, like, of course, you're not going to ask that. What do you do? You take your mat up and you go home. And so he's walking home with his mat, and the religious leaders, they stop him and say, what are you doing? This, this is considered work on the Sabbath, right? You're carrying your mat home. And so it's in that context that the Pharisees are angry, and they, he kind of figures out through that story that it is Jesus who healed him, okay? And so he reports to the Pharisees, it was Jesus that healed me. That's who told me. To, he's the one who told me to take my mat up and go home. And you would think that the Pharisees would be like, we got somebody in our midst that's healing people. Awesome, Right? What, I mean, what's happening here? But instead, they turn to the rules of the Sabbath. And by the way, Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. Why in the world wouldn't we want to do good works on the Sabbath, right? The works of God. So here we are in John 5, 16. So the Jewish leaders uh, began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father's always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to what? Worship him, right? To kill him. Isn't that crazy? Remember we started John chapter 1, we said... Uh, what you're going to see through the Gospel of John is light and darkness. You're good. Jesus is never a neutral figure. He's not a neutral figure in your life. He, there's always a, you will respond to the person and work of Jesus Christ in some way. And these religious leaders, we've got to figure out a way to put him to death. Uh, for he not only broke the Sabbath, but he called God his Father, thereby making himself equal with God. Okay, so Jesus makes this claim to deity. And there's really, there's really three people here that understand what Jesus is doing and what he's teaching. It's very, very clear. All right? First of all, Jesus understands what he's doing. He makes the claim to be deity, right? He, he claims to be one with the Father. He says, my Father's always working, and so am I. I'm working with my Heavenly Father, all right? And, and, he, and, and so, so, church, why this is important is we run in a culture where people want to minimize who Jesus was. People want to tell us that maybe, you know, Jesus was a good teacher or a good prophet. And to be clear, that's never what Jesus said about himself. Of course, he claimed to be a prophet, but he claimed to be much more than that. He claimed to be the second person of the Trinity. He claimed to be one with the Father. These are the claims that Jesus is making. 
And he's very, very clear about this. In fact, if you push this far enough, it's really the idea, and if you remember, I taught on this in Tough Truth series on the doctrine of the Trinity. It's really the doctrine of the Trinity that got Jesus crucified. Because when the religious leaders of the day understood what he was saying, it's like, well, now, you know, he's claiming to be one with God. That's a false prophet, and you, false prophets get put to death if their prophecies don't come true, right? The second group here is the Jewish leaders. Like, they understand what Jesus is teaching as well. Make no mistake about it. The enemies of Christ knew exactly what he was teaching. The problem was they didn't understand it and they didn't like it. The problem was they disagreed with what Jesus was teaching about himself. And then the third person here is actually the author of the gospel, right? It's the apostle John. John's very clear on what Jesus is teaching he, he finishes this section by saying, thereby making himself equal with God. It's very obvious to all the hearers at this moment what Jesus is claiming about himself. His early public ministry, he claims to be the son of God, equal with God the Father. Here's the second thing Jesus claims during this section is that he's a reflection of God the Father. Jesus is a reflection of of God the Father. I'm going to bring this down, hopefully, to some so what. Like, what's the, why does that matter for us, okay? John chapter 5, verse 19 says, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son, shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the Father will show him uh, how to do even greater works than healing this man. And then you will truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those who uh, he raised from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. Jesus Christ is the perfect reflection of our heavenly Father here on earth. Why is this such a big deal? Remember, he, he got accused of breaking the Sabbath laws, right? His accusation here is, well, you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. What, what work is he doing? It's good works. It's healing. So he's saying, I'm just doing what the Father would want done. He, the Sabbath is all about resting in God. And the Sabbath is about revealing the character of God. And our God is a good God. And our God's a healing God. And our God's a merciful God. And our God's a gracious God. Of course, our God is a God of holiness and a God of wrath and a God of judgment. But, you know, remember we talked about this last week. The first coming of Christ was to save man. The second coming is when he will judge all of mankind. It's going to be a, a horrifying experience for those who are not in Christ. But this time, I'm showing you the works of God. He's a healing God. And some of you are running through your life right now, and you're wondering, man, where is God? And it's because you haven't yet bowed a knee to worship Christ. That is where healing is found. That is where life is found. That is where purpose is found. That is where joy is found. It's found in the person and work of Christ. And so Jesus is doing good. He's saying, I'm a perfect reflection of my heavenly Father. And some of these people don't like it. Jesus is clear about his divinity here, right? He says, only God can grant life. He's the creator. He's a life-giving God. Only God is the ultimate judge of humanity. And Jesus says, that's what, I, that's what the Father has granted me. I'm, I'm the giver of life. I'm going to be the one that judges humanity. And then this final thought, which is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful. 
Church, if you want to honor God, you must honor Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to hear this. This is really important to understand because we live in a culture. Um, my gut tells me if we went out in the, in the street, in the community, and you asked most people if they believe in God, what are probably 80 to 90% of people going to do? It's I believe in God, right? So this point, I really want you to get your head around because this is really important, the teaching of Jesus. This is an outlandish claim. This is a crazy claim, unless it's true. He says, if you want to honor God, you must honor his son, Jesus Christ. But if you're new to Coastal, and, and you, you're going to notice that the songs that we sing and the things that we talk about, they're what I like to call Christocentric. They're centered around Jesus Christ. That's why we just got to sing, all I have is Christ. Because if you want to honor God, according to the scriptures, you must honor God's son, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? The reason this sticks out to me is because there's plenty of people that say they believe in God. And there's plenty of people that say, oh, I even believe that Jesus was a good teacher or he was a prophet or, you know, he told some good stories. But they, they push back when you start saying, no, no, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He is the perfect reflection. He is the divine Godhead, part of the Godhead, the Son of God himself. He taught this to us. And if you want to know the God of the Bible, you've got to be a worshiper of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? This is a tough truth to get our heads around. If you want to leave here today, if you leave here today and say, well, I believe in God, but I'm not so sure about his son, Jesus Christ, you don't understand or you don't believe the teaching of Jesus Christ because that's what he taught about himself. If you want to honor God, you got to honor me because he's not just a good teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's the son of God. And Jesus doesn't pull any punches here. He's very, very clear about who he is. He's very, very clear that uh, if you don't worship Christ, then you're worshiping a God of your making. Does that make sense? If you don't worship Jesus Christ, you're worshiping a God of your making. And it's a false God. And false gods will lead to death. And false gods will wreck your life. And false gods will leave you in bondage. It is only when you worship God's true son, Jesus Christ, that you will have life. And then Jesus makes this incredible statement in verse 24. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Those who listen to his message and believe in the God who sent me have eternal life. They'll, they'll never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you, I want you, by the way, in your hand out to circle this. I want you to circle the word, I assure you. And I assure you that the time is coming and indeed is here now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Jesus says, here's the deal. Jesus brings dead men back to life. So, by the way, it sounds like, sounds like the, the CD of our worship leader, doesn't it? He stole my point this morning. For, right? God brings, Jesus Christ brings dead men back to life. Now, of course, he's talking about eternal life. Isn't that awesome? Just I want you to hear this. In Christ, there is a hope beyond the grave. I tell you, I'm, I kind of have this weird mindset, you know, like the older I get, the more I'm like, I'm middle-aged and I'm halfway, you know. It kind of keeps me awake at night sometimes. Like it's crazy how quick it goes, right? We talked about that at Easter, how quick it goes. 
Man, I, in Christ, there's hope beyond the grave. He's, Jesus says, those, those who believe in me, not those who do a whole lot of religiosity and not those who do a bunch of good works, those who believe, whose hearts are captured by me and my teaching and who I am and my purposes and my will, those, those who worship me, they have eternal life and this is hope and this is promise and this is purpose. This is the reverse of the curse of sin found in the person of Jesus Christ. This is the reverse of death. This is the reverse of decay. This is the reverse of brokenness. This is the reverse of a life without purpose. Everything is found in Christ. All I have is Christ. That's why we sing that this morning. And did you notice, by the way, he said, I assure you, Jesus is confident. You know, on, on membership Sunday, when I made my prediction, there was no I assure you. It was just a feeling I had, right? Just a thought that I had. Jesus is very clear. I assure you. He's entirely confident in the power of his heavenly Father. Did you notice, by the way, when we walk, walk through this passage, there's several occasions where Jesus says, truly, truly, or I tell you the truth. I te- in other words, I, this stuff I'm telling you, It's a bold claim. I'm staking a claim to my deity. I'm staking a claim to why I'm here. I'm staking a claim to who I am. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I can assure you that I'm coming back someday to judge the world. In God's life, in God's life, God gives life-giving power to those found in Jesus Christ. God gives life-giving power power. Jesus goes on to say, he finishes the passage, those who listen will live. Those who listen will live. And this is not the kind of listening uh, when I'm at home and I'm, I'm watching a ball game and my wife's telling me about her day and somewhere in the middle of that she goes, are you listening to me? All right? And you go, yeah, oh yeah. yeah who, why wouldn't I be? You know, it's so interesting. You know, so type thing. Uh, Not that kind of listening, all right? That's not listening. Jesus here is talking about the kind of listening that that we're hearing and we're understanding and we're adjusting our life in obedience to the teaching of Christ. The listening that Jesus Christ is talking about, and there's some of you in this room, like like when we talk about Jesus and and his teaching and and, and how we worship him through our obedience, like there's some of you in this room, you're engaged and you're pursuing that. And some of you, it's like you're bored to death, you know? And like, why is he up there rambling on? There's two kinds of listening going on right here, right now. The kind of listening that Jesus is talking about is the type of listening where your heart is consumed in worship with the person and work of Christ. The type of listening we're talking about is the type of listening that says, man, if, God, if Jesus has taught it and the word of God has taught it, I better adjust my life not to be good, but to honor him as the son of God, as to who he says he is. It's, it's the kind of listening that says, all of my life is consumed with you. I'm not consumed with the things of the world. I'm not consumed with the things that are going to pass away. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day how big my house is, the kind of car I drive, how much I've saved from time. What really, really matters is is my life consumed in honoring Christ from beginning to end. Because Jesus says, those who listen to me, man, they are going to have life. And he, is he talking about eternal life? Of course he's talking about eternal life. But he's also talking about abundant life here on earth. He's talking about a life that makes a difference for the honor and glory of God. And this has everyday life implications, but it also has spiritual and eternal implications. I love Romans chapter 8, verse 11. We went, remember last year we went through the book of Romans and we talked about this verse, right? The Spirit of God. I want you to hear this. And Pastor Joey 
did a great job of segueing with his prayer, right, and reminding us about the deposit of the third person of the Trinity, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, is the same Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Guess what? He lives in you. The Spirit of God lives in the heart of the believer and is molding and shaping the heart of, uh, to be a heart of obedience to worship Jesus Christ. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. And I love that verse because one day you are going to be kicking dirt on my grave, but I want you to know death does not have final say over Sean Brown. It is the spirit of God through the person of Jesus Christ living inside of me. That gives me such incredible hope, right? My wife's like, man, just when I thought I'd be rid of you, okay, you're back. So I promise till death do us part, you know. It's incredible truth. Church, I go out of here with hope that the words of Christ are true, that I'm, guess what, I'm joining with him and staking this claim and who he is. And finally, Jesus is very clear here. He says, guess what, Jesus will be the judge of all humanity. Jesus will be the judge of all humanity. John chapter 5, verse 27, Jesus goes on to say this, and, and he, meaning Heavenly Father, he's given me authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be surprised. I love that word, by the way. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. What I'm about to tell you is true, right? Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. And those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Now, what you're going to see here uh, going forward in the Gospel of John is Jesus continues to teach this and make claims. He, be, he continues to divide. Remember last week, what did I say last week? I said Jesus Christ is the dividing line for all eternity. He's the dividing line. And there's people that get it. There's people that don't get it. And you're just going gonna to continue to see that in the Gospel of John. There's people that uh, by the teaching of the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, their eyes are awakened to the truths of God. And there's other people that the more they, they process what Jesus is saying, the more angry they get. There's some of you in this room that, you know, uh, we're a couple, three, four weeks in the series, you're already like, I'm tired of him talking about Jesus, all right? I got, I got news for you. He is the dividing line of all eternity. There's, there's nothing else that I, you know, there's other things, there's implications that we can take off this teaching. There's not a whole lot else we have to talk about, but the person and work of Christ. And he's the dividing line. For where we spend eternity, he's very clear about that. And, and there's some in this room that there's a spiritual battle going on in your heart. And I'm hopeful that by the Spirit of God, you will bow a knee to the Lordship of Christ. And you too will stake a claim in who he says he is. And he gives a, he gives a couple health, healthy warnings, right? He gives a heads up. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. And, and you know, time passes and we... You know, you get older, or you look at this story that's 2,000 years old, and you're like, what's taking so long, right? And he's like, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised, I'm coming again. And by the way, it's easy to kind of 
misunderstand verses 28 and 29 to think that it's behavior modification, right? He's going to, those who do good and those who do evil, like, oh, I just need to go out here and be good. No, don't misunderstand. As we go through the gospel of John, it's going to become more and more plain to you. Those who do good are those who worship Christ and the most extreme kind of evil, and we talked about this last week, is the evil of, of hearing the gospel message of Christ and going, uh, no big deal, right? It's an extreme evil to understand who Jesus is, read and talk about who, what he taught, that he, who he was, and, and why he came, and to go, uh, Remember, we looked at that Hebrews last week, those who kind of trample over the gospel message and go, uh, it's, it's just not a big deal. That's the kind of evil. It's the kind, that's, that's the Pharisees, right? Where they, they're all spun up about somebody carrying a mat on the wrong day instead of pausing long enough to go, wait a minute, this guy hasn't been able to walk for 38 years, and now he's walking. Like, where's that kind of life-giving power come from? And looking at that and concluding, I better figure out a way to kill him. That's what they concluded, right? That's the kind of good and evil. That's the kind of light and darkness. And, And as we talk about the gospel of Christ, there's light and darkness penetrating your hearts right now. We have an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna engage in worship. And Jesus here says, don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard. The Bible's clear that the return of Christ is imminent. That means it could come at any moment. He says, don't don't be surprised. Because the dividing line of all of history will be the person and work of Christ. I am... my wife and I have these conversations. My wife, my daughter, um, this week. Um, it's neat having kids. So let me start with that. It's neat having kids, right? And, and in your kids, you you see yourself at times, right? Like like I watch one of my kids, and when he plays a sport, I'm like, that's like watching me, right? And they have your strengths and weaknesses. They do some things well in school, you know, and that you were good at. And they do some things. You're like, yeah, I used to struggle with that too, you know. And so it's just neat, kind of watching them. And um, uh, whoever developed the show. Uh, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Like, that's in, that's a stupid show. Like, I, I haven't been able to help my kids in math since the first grade, right? Like, after first grade, you're like, I, I don't know, you know? And, and now we're at a stage where they open a math equation, and you look at it, and you're like, why are there letters in a math equation, you know? Like, your teacher's mixing up English and math, you know? No, Dad, never mind, you know? And... Yeah, you go somewhere else, you know, so, but it's neat watching them kind of, you know, like, you know, man. So this week, my daughter got a really kind word from their teacher, you know, and just said something really nice about her and her character and behavior, and it's really cool. And so I looked at my wife and said, who do you think she takes after? I just wanted a little credit, you know, she goes, she don't take after you on that. And I was like, why do I get all the bad stuff, you know, like, you get the good stuff and I get the bad, that doesn't seem fair, you know, and. And, uh, and, and the reason she said that we laugh about that is because how many times you like, you're like, yeah, there, chip off the old block, right? Chip off the old block. How many times have you said this about someone else when their kid's in trouble, right? Like, I guess the apple don't fall far from the tree, right? Um, you've done that too. Okay, good. Guess what? In the person of Christ, that's exactly what Jesus is claiming. The apple didn't fall far from the tree. 
you guys that are old enough, you'll remember the song. I think it was Joan Osborne wrote, right? What if God was what? One of us, right? You do remember that song. What if God was one of us? Well, guess what? He was. He, he wrapped himself in flesh. The person and work of Jesus Christ is a chip off the old blocks. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. If God was one of us, this is exactly what it would look like. It would look like the person and work of Jesus Christ. And guess what else? Jesus makes no mistake and no bones about it. It's exactly who he is. He walked the earth perfectly representing God when he set foot on our planet. And God was indeed one of us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he makes no bones about it. If you believe in me, he said, you will have some of you this morning, you're running through this life, man, and you you feel like your heart and your soul is in bondage. And by the way, this is a message to the believer and the unbeliever. Because even in our process of sanctification, there's times where we're like, oh, that's an awful. And when that's happening, I guarantee you, you are not. there's 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 a promise or a characteristic of God found in Christ that you're not believing. And so because of that, we continue to run with handcuffs on instead of the freedom and the life found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus staked his claim. I'm a reflection of the Father. I'm the second person of the Trinity. And those that believe in me have life. Church, my prayer for you is that you will go out of here today and you will worship Christ and have life and have it to the full. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to pray over your people this morning. Thank you, God, for sending us your son, Jesus Christ. Chip off the block. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. He's perfectly reflected you. As we talked about last week, your one and only, your unique one and only son, God, you gave us your very best. And forgive us for the times, God, we look for life in all the wrong places. It's usually focused on things we can't take with us anyway. And God, we give you thanksgiving and we give you praise that there is life found in your son, Jesus. Thank you for the incredible gift. Help us as your people to go out this week living free, free from bondage, free from sin, free to... Be generous and hope-giving and life-giving in all that we do. Reflecting Christ in us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Church, we're going to do something a little different this morning. So, you got to bear with me. Uh, I'm going to call forward uh, about 50 people. Okay, so if you're going on a missions trip this summer, would you come on forward to the front of the stage? I know not all 50 are here, but, but most are. And I need you all to do me a favor, okay? Inside of your bulletin is a handout. Everybody get this out. Um, <clears throat> I'm super, super excited about what we're about to do. Um, one of the visions uh, that I have for Coastal Community Church, I've said this many times, um, is I would love for every one of us that's a part of this church to take one uh, short-term missions trip. Uh, and the reason is it will, it will radically change your life. And so this year, uh, Coastal, and, and one of the things I always tell you guys during the offertory is we're really careful to make sure that we send out 10 cents of every dollar is going to missions opportunities. We want to make sure we're giving back uh, and helping to make Jesus famous, not just through our ministry, 
but through uh, many, many other ministries and opportunities. A lot of people, isn't it? And, and so, church, you're a part of sending out over 50 people this year uh, to go on three different mission trips, and they're listed on here. Everybody got your paper out? Okay, you really got to have this out. Um, and so, uh, what I want you guys to do is a couple things. You can be a part of this, number one. Uh, you can pray for these guys, okay? So, uh, we got uh, teams that are getting ready to leave in the middle of the summer, so I want you to be in prayer for them. They're actually doing some preparation behind the scenes. They're meeting. They're praying together. They're learning some things. Uh, so be praying for them now. Okay, the second thing that you can do is you actually can help support them um, simply by, by donating. Okay, you can buy a t-shirt. So on the way out today, they're selling these t-shirts. Isn't this cool? You guys like this one? It's all good. All right, that's one of them. And then it's got Romans uh, 8 on the back. Uh, remind us that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Okay, so, uh, so this is one of them. They have four different ones. What do they call it? What are they, y'all? We got the brown. JJ, turn around. Let me see that one. Knock, knock, okay, and then, and then you, uh, what's the ready? You, you ready, and they're ready, sir. Anyway, they got four of them. You guys can buy those, and that will help support them, okay? Or you can just send them, you know, send some finances with them and send them. The third thing I want you to do, uh, on your way out, and they're going to be stationed out all the way on the way out. There's some places that you can sign up and get um, regular email updates from them or a newsletter uh, that's going to let you know some ways that you can help them go and accomplish their mission. So the places they're going will have some needs, maybe sending clothes or some other things. And so you individually your small group could be a part of helping send them. And so if you want that information, you have to sign up, okay? And they'll be sure to be in touch with you and get regular updates from you. While they're on their trip, they're going to update that email and keep you guys posted there as well, okay? Uh, and so those are kind of the four ways you can help send them and you can get a, be a part of the newsletter. Is that, is that right, Robert? Where are you? Oh, okay. You're not up here. So did I do that right? Did I cover all the information? All right. Even if I didn't, you're not allowed to talk anyway. So... Um, <laughs> Anyway, so hopefully I got it all. Okay, so isn't that exciting, church? I'm really excited. So, uh, so let's do this, okay? Uh, I'm going to pray over them. Uh, if you want, you, maybe some of you are like, oh, they're in my small group. I served with them in ministry. You didn't know they were going. So, you know, make sure you adopt them in your prayers. And uh, it's just a great opportunity. So let's pray over them uh, as a church. We're kind of commissioning and sending them. And, and then you can be a part on your choosing on the way out. I really want to encourage you to buy a shirt, sign up for the newsletter, sign up to be a prayer partner with them, uh, and, and help send this team. It's really good stuff. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, in, a, in a very real way, we're extending um, Coastal Community Church this summer. We're, we're extending them to New Mexico. We're extending to Honduras, and, and uh, we're extending to Guatemala. And so, God, we have these opportunities. And, and so, Lord, we pray over our people. And uh, God, we, in a very real way, we commission them to go. And in fact, we just got done the Great Commission a couple weeks ago in our Go series. God, and these are some folks that I said, you know, I'm going to use a week of my vacation time or uh, a week where they could be doing other things to, to go into another culture uh, and represent Christ. And so, God, I pray for them as they go, that they will, uh, you will bring them relationships, that they can invest the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ into other people. God, the other thing I want to pray over them is uh, I know they're going to come back radically changed. They're going to, they're going to see how God works in another culture. Uh, they're going to see how uh, you can simply serve God in another culture and translate to how you can work here in this culture. God, I know you're just going to make some great changes in the hearts of these folks. And so, God, I pray, and I'm thankful in advance uh, for those changes. And, God, I want to thank you for a church that uh, gives so generously um, to make sure that the gospel of Christ uh, is, is 
going to every tribe, every tongue, every nation, because that's our command, Lord. And, and so thank you for a group of church people that, that are so generous with their resources uh, to send out. And so, God, we pray over these teams. Thank you for their willingness to step up and give some time and go. Pray their, your protection over them. Protection over their families, God, as they're apart, uh, that you would bless them every step of the way, that you'd raise all the support that they need to go. And we trust you in this, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so do me a favor, give them a round of applause. Thank you. Um, you guys can go, you guys gotta go take up the offering. One of the things I want you to know is that uh, when they come back in September, there's gonna be probably September, October, I'm not sure when, there's gonna be a missions night and you can come out and hear all about their trips. So, so I don't want you to say, oh, I'm sending them, I don't know what happened. Okay, they're gonna spend a whole night sharing stories about that. What we're gonna do right now during our offering time, if you're a guest with us this morning, thank you for being here. I do want you to know we're not after your money. Okay, this is one of the ways we worship God at Coastal. So if you'd like to join us in that, you're welcome to, uh, but don't feel an obligation to give. Um, uh, but we're going to do something a little different during our uh, offering time. This is last year's Honduras video that we made. And that we're hopeful at the end of the year we'll do an offering video where you'll see all the summer trips. And, uh, and so you'll see that. But this is from last year uh, while we take up our offering. If you're here this morning, you have a prayer need. After the service, we always have one of our prayer team members up front. They wear a purple shirt, so that's how you can know who they are. And, uh, and then on your way out, if you'd support the team. This is last year's Honduras trip. Watch this. Mm-hmm. 